And good morning, everyone. Sorry, man, if I confused you there. Um, I promised last Sunday that I will preach only for 15 minutes. And uh, I asked you to hold me accountable. I've got my phone to help me do that. Uh, maybe I regret that. But uh, it's for the right reason that we're doing it. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24. We read from verses 1 through to verses 15. Let's read together. <clears throat> when Saul turned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the ship for flocks by the way where there, were, there was a cave. And Saul went to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall, be, shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stillethly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he, cut, he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this, this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also rose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, my Lord and, the, my Lord and King. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face on the, on the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks, to harm, seeks your harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not put out my hand against the Lord, for he is the anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe is in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hand. I have not sinned against you, though you haunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall, be, shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, Out of the wicked comes wickedness. But my hand shall not be against you. After whom 
has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After, the, after a, dog, a dead dog? After a fly? May the Lord therefore be judge and, gave, and give sentence between me and you and see it and see it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. This is the word of the Lord. So last Sunday, we looked at David and Jonathan. And we discovered that it is a story about friendship. And today we're taking the opposite of that teaching of David and Jonathan. We come today to David and Saul. And we learn that the story before us is a story about enmity and hostility. You see, because the primary source of David's experience of hostility is Saul. Saul is the primary source of the hostility David experienced. In fact, David was no stranger to enmity and hostility. Much of his spiritual life and much of his prayer life was shaped by his understanding and the experience of hostility. And I wish I can camp there for a moment. That the way in which David prayed, the way in which David pursued God, was shaped by his understanding and by his experience of hostility. In Psalm 3, we find him praying. And I told you this many times, praying while running away from his son, Absalom. And he says these words, I'm using the message translation. God, look, enemies past counting, enemies sprouting like mushrooms, mobs of them all around me, roaring like mock roaring their mockery. Ha! No help for him from God, but you, God, shield me on all sides. You ground my feet. You lift my head high. With all my might, I shout up to God. He answers thunder from holy mountain. So, David had a God-saturated understanding of hostility. God was central in his understanding of hostility. Instead of it pushing him away from God, it made him run after God. This is why David was alive in God. And maybe let me ask you this morning, how much of your spiritual life, how much of your prayer life is shaped by your experience of hostile treatment? How much of it that pushes you towards God or maybe pushes you away from God? 
what we're learning here is that instead of it pushing David away from God, it made him draw near to him. I wonder as you sit here this morning, have you ever been treated with suspicion? Have you ever walked and feel that you are being watched? Who are you talking to? How long are you talking to? How much are you laughing with them? What sort of body language? You are treated with suspicion. I'm watching you, as they say. Or have you ever felt like you are treated with the attitude that says, prove yourself. Prove that you're worth my approval. Or putting it differently, a performance-based treatment. How have you responded to that? I wonder. Let me tell you how I respond to that, or I have responded to that. I withdraw. I shrink when I feel that I am treated with suspicion. I am treated with a prove yourself kind of an attitude. I withdraw. I may not be rude, but somehow I won't allow myself to be vulnerable to that person. Because everything to me portrays that vulnerability to that person is a wrong move. Maybe you're feeling, why are you telling us that? You have somewhat overshared. Maybe I have. You see, because I know that I'm not the only one who reacts like that when you feel surrounded by hostility. David experienced what it is to be treated with suspicion. He experienced what it is to be treated with a performance-based approval. He had a foretaste of it from his family. He had seven brothers who treated him with suspicion and with condescending attitude. And he had a father who never gave him, or who didn't, not never, gave him the attention he deserved. When David visited his brothers, we saw the dialogue in verse in chapter 17, and uh, his brother Eliab asked him, David, when he heard that David was there talking to the other man, he asked him, he went to him burning in anger. Why have you come down here, he asked. With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. Come down. You come down only to watch the battle. So as you listen to those words of Eliab, Eliab, you can see the tone, that the tone is suspicious and condescending, speaking down on David. Nothing David, nothing good enough David could do. He must constantly prove himself. Both his actions and his his words are being scrutinized. But something amazes me. 
It's not so much the hostility David faced, but it's how he responds to it. And so the lesson of the story before us really has got two major themes. The first is Saul's jealousy over David. And the second is David's response to the treatment he received from Saul. It seems to me that one of the reasons why we are not responding the way David responded to Saul in our culture today, we insist on this delusion idea that everyone must love us. We, we seem to think that we are likable and therefore everyone must like us. We, we insist on that. We don't want to let go of it. Now, I like Eugene Peterson, how he puts it across that, no, we are not likable to everyone. You see, there are people when they see us, just our presence makes them want to throw up or throw something at us. At times, not because of what we've done, just because of who we are. Oh, oh yes, it's the reality. Why does he always get things right, or whatever it is? And they just want to throw something at you. Now, it's good for you to know that, but don't allow that to view everyone in that light. Because now you're going to another extreme of being cynical and suspicious of other people. But you must know that there are people who can't stand your presence. Oh, yes, they are. Oh, they are. You see, you see, David is not treated by Saul because he's done anything wrong to him. Instead, he is the man who is a healing presence to Saul. Remember that Saul struggled and suffered dark, dark moods. He had moments of his emotions being caught up in this dark mood. And David would come and play music to heal him. And while he's playing music, Saul is busy preparing the javelin to tie him to the wall. What's up with that? Just his presence, I'm going to repeat those words, I know they don't sound great, makes him want to throw up or throw something at him, and he did it. So Eugene Peterson puts it, now I've got uh, one minute. It always comes as something of a shock that everyone like, not that not everyone likes us just as we are. It comes as a shock. This is what Eugene Peterson says. And then he says, we enter the world, most of us anyway, cuddled and loved, cared for and cuddled. We are so lovable and so loved. But it doesn't last long. Sometimes it doesn't last much after our first change of diapers. Sooner or later, we find ourselves treated as trespassers or rivals, enemies. 
He puts it well. How does David respond to this hostile treatment of Saul? David responds in a very God-honoring manner. David, Saul in David's life is not the most loud voice, but God is. David is so free of jealousy that eaten Saul up. He calls him my Lord and my King. He says to him, I cannot put my hand to the anointed of God. And then he talks to him. At the moment when he is vulnerable, total vulnerable to him, David chooses, not because he wants to be self-righteous, but he fears God. Remember that the story that we are reading takes place in the wilderness of En Gedi. David is not there because he's on the tour. He's not on a research, archaeology research, or theological research. He's on the run. He is seeking safety. He is a fugitive. While he's there running and having left the place of comfort, Saul with 3,000 men shows up. And David is completely oblivious to that. And his men said to him, it's your, it's your time. Wipe him off. David says, no, the Lord will do a better job. David is not consumed by Saul. And I think sometimes in our awareness of enemy, we become too consumed by the other. I described here in my notes, which are no longer relevant, that we live in a culture of praise singers. We don't like those who disagree with us. That's why we have in our language haters. As soon as you disagree with me, you are a hater. And that robs us of being, of being like David in terms of our spiritual life in the light of hostility. We have no time, and I hope you got the gist of the message. Saul's jealousy on David and David's response. And David's response points us to God. And it reminds us that there is a God who is bigger than that person. And that God is on your side. And he does a better job of revenging for you. I know the temptation is to take it in your hand. It happens to all of us. But God seems to be doing a better job than all of us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this subject is very close to our hearts. It's very close to the bone. We live in a culture 
where victims are regarded as heroes. And so everyone is pointing fingers to somebody. Everyone feels wronged by somebody. But this morning we've been shown the mirror into ourselves as we relieve this sin in David's life. So, Father, as we now make our way to your table, we are reminded once again of how you faced hostility. And the first words that came from your mouth was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that those are the words you've said on the cross so that we have been embraced by you. In Jesus' name, amen.